Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Caught offside from the Upper West Side of Manhattan and from Paris, France. Andrew Gunling, JJ Devaney. What's up, brother? Oh, Andrew, how are you? Bienvenue. Welcome to L'Improvu on Boulevard Ney. Is it a bar? Kind of. Is it a bookies? Definitely. Is it a coffee shop? Possibly. Uh, here I am, uh, a block up from the cop. Uh, Liverpool supporters bar, which was too full. And uh, this is where I've landed. I know you're upset. You're worried about sound. Um, it has got very, very busy since I arrived here. And we've got lots and lots of Scousers. And not many Real Madrid fans. In fact, none. So you're there. Unbelievable. The, it, it's crazy. It's It's been an amazing day. A super day. And uh, I think... Not to sound too pretentious and kind of travel, travel show. Uh, I think I'm in love with the city. Oh, really? That I mean, that tends to happen. You know, people go on these uh, exorbitant, extravagant trips. They fall in love. They move, and then they wake up one day and they think, "Wait a minute, what am, what am I doing here? I don't I don't belong here." But you know, maybe <laughs> maybe this is the beginning of a new chapter in your life. I mean, sure, you've right. only been there for about eight hours, and you're making these grand life decisions. But why not? Oh my God, I would be driving you and a lot of our listeners crazy with my attempts at French. Oh. And, and so far, everybody has been so sweet and kind. You know, when I stumble, when I make a mistake, just, just so good. Really, really good. And I met Peter Crouch today. I saw I met that. him yeah. <laughs> as, as he just flew by me asking what I thought of him on his motorized scooter. He looked pretty good on it. Uh, he looked like a freak. Let's be oh, honest. Right. He, he looked like, I'm sorry. A man of that height. He looks odd on terra firma. He looks even odder on a motorized scooter. It just doesn't look normal. It's like he can break at any moment, which was pretty much his career, right? Well, he was moving pretty good on that thing, and uh, obviously you had to curse in the video because that's now that that is what you're about. Well, it's it, you have exposed me in our Zoom video from the previous <laughs> podcast. You've exposed me as a cursing, bawdy, almost seafaring type. Oh, man. Well, I'm so happy for you that you're there and, and for your professionalism in conducting this, uh, your portion of the podcast from inside a bar. Uh, it's much, much appreciated. I know. Well, Sam- here, here's what you got to realize. I yeah. stayed by the stadium, but I had to go into town today, into, into Paris proper to interview Gab Marcotti, mm. to interview uh, Neil Atkinson of the Anfield Rap, both of which are coming up. Great insight from those guys. And I had to travel into the city. There was no way I was traveling back at this point. So I thought I'd go and and sample the atmosphere. And here I am, sampling the atmosphere. Well, mission accomplished. Uh, Where do we stand in terms of ticket gate? Have you you procured any? I, I would go as far as to say I have not procured any tickets, but I don't know how much more I can do. There's a, I've been talking to a lot of fans. The vast majority of supporters here are ticketless. Um, they expect prices to drop tomorrow. That's what everyone's hoping because right now they're exorbitant and nobody wants to do it. Also, some of the websites that um, uh, Liverpool supporters are trying to buy off are not. They just don't seem to be sound. They don't seem to be the kind of website where you can go and put down 2500 
euros oh my and God. be guaranteed your ticket. I mean, that's the lower end. So we're hoping for a price reduction tomorrow. Um, but by the way, for my own end, I literally I have a current CEO of a major European football team and the daughter of a previous CEO of a major European football team. They're on the hunt for me. <laughs> so, I mean, how much more can you actually do except that? What about LeBron? Has he gotten back to you yet? LeBron hasn't got back to me. I, oh. I love the mileage you're getting out of that, you know. I mean, just the fact that I tweeted LeBron James yeah. as if he's some, uh, you know, deity. That, I, you know, he is just a human man, a very talented human man, albeit, and a majority or a minority, majority. Shareholder, min- minority shareholder in Liverpool Football Club. But at the same time, I just sent a tweet, Andrew. The fact you keep harping on it, it tells a lot about you and your outlook on life. Don't shoot your shot. Don't give it a go. No. Stay in your corner and hope something happens. Correct. And that's just not me. Correct. Always, always. Last question uh, before we get into the uh, the meat of this and, and really start to preview the game and hear from Gab and Neil. Uh, what are you – this is a big one. What are you wearing to the game? Uh, it's a good question. Yeah. So I have, um, I have my Liverpool 1920 championship winning – sorry, excuse me, my 1819 – jersey which is my favorite liverpool jersey again a jersey where they fell short in the league i was going to wear that but my friend greg bergstrom gave me a wonderful black liverpool t-shirt with the liverpool crest on the front of it and it's it's a pretty special one and also should i have to go into a section should i buy a ticket for a section that maybe is not so hospitable to scousers it, it i'll be able to turn it inside out <laughs> Well, I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope that the crowd is is Andrew, friendly I don't know what, passionate but friendly. I don't know what it's going to come to because there's I've heard of some high-profile people who are struggling to get tickets. I've heard of non-rights holders who can't get inside the ground to do pitch side things. So um, yeah, this is uh, this is not easy. Nineteen thousand per team that comes to thirty-eight thousand tickets. And then when you break down the corporates and all the other things, um, the ordinary fan is getting priced out yet again. Well, I'm rooting for you. I don't have a great feeling about it. I'm not going to lie, but I'm rooting for you. All right? That's the best I can do. The fact I've done a day's work here for the podcast and just kind of immersed myself in Paris and got two amazing interviews, that'll never be enough for you I to ju- justify this, wh- wh- this what do you trip. What do you need? You want my blood, my, my soul? I just said I, I, I'm rooting for you. I hope this happens. Well, the guys, in, the guys here in L'Empreview on Boulevard Ney, they love me. They've taken me in as one of their own. <laughs> so you're not bothering people right now. Like everyone is there trying to have fun, and and this this dweeb is in the corner doing a, a show. Are people bothered or are they entertained? So most of the Liverpool fans are on the street. The gendarmerie don't care whether you bring your beer out onto the street at all. Nice. So they've been buying beers, going outside, and in this little corner, there are uh, three televisions and electronic betting booths. And there are elderly French gentlemen who look quite angry and upset a lot of the time who are basically betting on the horses, on the races that they're seeing. And uh, they're largely ignoring what's going on around them. And I am in this uh, cordon sanitaire. You can still hear the Liverpool fans, but sure uh, can. I am. I am. Or I don't. I mean, it's not that bad. You can still hear what I'm saying. All right. Well, let's let's really dive in now. Um the Premier League, all that is behind us. This is what's left, the Champions League final, the most 
prestigious of club competitions, and it's Liverpool and Real Madrid. I want to start. I know you're there, obviously, from the, more so from the Liverpool perspective. But, JJ, I kind of want to start on the Real Madrid side because I think really the story of this Champions League has been their run and how they've gotten to this point. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting. I was thinking about how we talk about the behemoth that the Premier League has become, how it almost in its own way it's spiraling towards becoming its own sort of watered-down version of the Super League. And Real Madrid, meanwhile, are in a place and time where we're not sure how special they are. Now, I've been more on the side of saying they are still among the world's elite, but there's a chorus of people, you included, that aren't quite sure what tier they're in, but not necessarily the top tier. And yet here we are on the precipice of Real Madrid, should they do this, rolling through Chelsea, Man City, and Liverpool en route to a possible Champions League. Their run has been wild to get here. It's been phenomenal. And one of the points I made to both of our guests today was that this hasn't been a Liverpool team that is the team of myth, the team of legend, the, the, the team of destiny. It's been, it's been Real Madrid. And it's, it's an awkward position because if you look at Liverpool's run to the final, it's been pretty straightforward. You know, apart from, you know, 45 minutes at the Yellow Submarine where, where things got hairy, it's been fairly straightforward. And so now you look at Real Madrid, PSG, Chelsea, Man City, all comeback victories of a sort. This is the team of destiny going into the final. And, and that's why they worry me, Andrew. That's why they concern me. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's, and they are, and you know, you can't deny the news that's going on around. Like Real Madrid had mortgaged their future on signing Kylian Mbappe. That is not happening now. But yet this team is in its, I, I don't want to say last dance, but a lot of these players, you can, I mean, it's hard to envisage some of these players being in another Champions League final. Maybe they will be. I, I'm not sure. But if you look at the like of Modric and, and Tony Cruz, they are the, you know, the dregs of a previous barrel of Real Madrid player. And they're still here. And they're a weird hybrid of these experienced players and these young players in Vinicius um, coming through and, and, and trying to, you know, keep the Madrid spirit alive. So there's a kind of a dark Mbappe cloud hanging over them. But for the moment, they're the team of destiny. Well, the Mbappe thing is interesting because I think that's something that will be a dark cloud, maybe more so over the fans that were looking forward to him going there rather than these players. I'll be honest, I don't think these players give a damn. If anything, anything, I think they might take more motivation from him not coming. Benzema was quoted today as saying, I'm not concerned about these little things. Now, it's not a little thing when a lot of your estate planning is based around the best young striker in the world and you do not have him for the future. But that's, fact, a Florentino, but that's a Florentino Perez or Carlo but, Ancelotti but it's concern. Not, it's not a Benzema it's not, concern. It's not a weekend concern right now. I mean, that is all for down the line. And maybe the repercussions of him not coming will hit Real Madrid very early next season. But for now, they are still a dangerous, dangerous opponent for Liverpool in this final. And um, the optimism here amongst Liverpool fans is pretty high. I'm, I had a, a Uber ride with a a lovely man called Nasser. And Nasser was uh, telling me how he, he's a, a Real Madrid fan. And through my broken French and his broken English, we had a, a conversation that literally finished as he's letting me out um, at my stop. Mm-hmm. And it literally finished with him saying, Andrew, that, you know what? This is not a game that is one way or the other. It 
feels 50-50 to me. And I know that's kind of blasphemous. I don't want to say it too loud here amongst all the Scousers who are pretty confident, but it, it feels 50-50. Well, we'll get to it, that uh, maybe in our predictions at the end because that's, that's interesting that you feel that way. We'll go deeper on that um, come prediction time. Um, in terms of the road to get here, like we're talking about with, with Real Madrid, and we can bring Liverpool into the conversation as well. Look, for Real Madrid, like, should they do this? <laughs> JJ, they're, they're putting together like the all-time greatest commemorative Champions League DVD that you could have in terms of the way this has gone down. Down two goals to PSG in the second half. Benzema scored in the 61st, 76th, 78th. Down a goal to Chelsea when Rodrigo scored in the 80th, and then Benzema won in the in the 96th. Uh, the absurd drama against Man City, down two, getting the goals from Rodrigo in the 90th and 91st, then the Benzema penalty in the 95th. I mean, this is, you're right, this has been team of destiny stuff. With Liverpool, the weird thing about them, you, you talk about their knockout, style, uh, knockout stage run and how it's been fairly um, straightforward. <laughs> I, I was looking through their group stage and thinking that the group stage may have actually been the real challenge. Like they had AC Milan, who were the Italian champions. They had FC Porto, who wound up being the Portuguese Liga champions, and they had Atletico Madrid, who are always tough in this competition. That was their group stage. So that that may have been what was the tougher preparation for them, as opposed to their knockout stage run. And it was easily negotiated. I mean, yeah. I, again, I, I have to say the only real trouble was was against the Yellow Submarine in that semi final and. I think, I, I wonder, you know, I, everything else that's gone on this season, I think has steeled Liverpool for another final won't phase them. But I, I, I do think that what Liverpool need to do in this game is to get on top of Real Madrid early and capitalise and score and really put them in a position that they have been in before, but one that they can't come back from. Like, really hammer this home. I think that, like, that, that's, that's what I think they need to do. Now, yeah. Real Madrid, for their part, might be very, very cagey. Um, they might like it's hard to know what style they're going to adapt and that's why it's hard to predict this this kind of game but whatever Liverpool do um, and whatever they want to do to continue this run and become champions they cannot let the game descend into the kind of chaos that Chelsea City and PSG allowed it to let's talk about the the marquee stars I mean obviously when you get a Champions League final that pits a Benzema versus a Salah I mean what are we talking about here like we're talking about a, a final with arguably the two best players in the world facing each other? I mean, it's it's kind of like the neutral's dream to be able to see this. Well, it's, it's two strikers that have dominated the headlines either side of Christmas, I would say. I would say before that, uh, before Christmas, we were talking almost exclusively about Mohamed Salah as the best player in the world. Right. And, and then we had these amazing succession of cameos from Kareem Benzema that catapulted him into the spotlight. Now, look, Real Madrid fans will tell you about his greatness and his greatness for so long, but I don't think we've ever been more aware of Benzema. Never. Well, well his greatness and- hasn't been like this. Like, JJ, he has 10 goals in the knockout stage of this competition. In his entire, I, I think in, what is it, in the six Champions League previous, he had eight total, something like that. I mean, so he's always been great, but like the, with the spotlight on him, he grabbed it in a way this year that was different than what we've seen from him before. Totally agree. Absolutely agree with that. Um, and I mean, we've talked about his movement, about, I mean, those the two headers against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge were just stunning, absolutely stunning. He's, just, he's never been fitter, in my opinion. Um, and Salah comes into this game, I think, so there were, 
in terms of good news, the good news was he said, I'll definitely be at Liverpool next season. I don't know if that means Is, then that he's gone, gone right. in the summer. That might just mean that he might be leaving for free the following summer. That's a double-edged sword. You're right, um, but it is it is short term. If you're if you're a man like me who lives in the short term, it's short term good news. Um, but he has been on a bit of a a, a slump. I'm not a slump. A slump's not right. Uh, the amount of games he's had to pay, play, which is in the 70s at this point, between international, I like high-profile internationals, not friendlies, like do or die, Afghan and World Cup qualifiers, and um, and his you know commitments to Liverpool. He's definitely tailed off a little bit. So um, it's something I talked to Gab Marcari about, so I don't want to step all over it. But I, I would say that I feel as if Benzema comes into this final in, in, in better form. And also, with more rest, the three weeks rest that Real Madrid have had to play with is, is very, very interesting compared to Liverpool with one week. Now, many people will say this is way better than the interminable wait in 2019, which was, what, three or four weeks yeah. before the final for both Liverpool and Tottenham. And they both came in undercooked into that final. Liverpool just won it because they were the better side. But you can't call it a good game. So it'll be interesting to see if if the three-week break has helped or hindered Real Madrid and if the one-week break has helped Liverpool. It's hard to know. With regards to Salah, JJ, I'm wondering if this is a thing among Liverpool fans. His, his tweet after Real Madrid clinched their place in the final, he just put out the words, we have a score to settle. Has that become a rallying cry at all among the Liverpool faithful? Uh, 50-50. Okay. A lot, of, a lot of Liverpool fans I've met have said, yeah, come on, Salah, lad. That's brilliant. That's what you want to hear. Let's go for it. You know, go for the jugular. Whereas my friend Colm, who was a hardcore Liverpool fan, uh, he's, he uh, texted me immediately, what is this idiot doing? <laughs> oh, no, that's, don't, too, that's, that's don't, too much. Don't do that. Keep your mouth shut. Now, he is... He is in a cohort of uh, Liverpool fans who who is deeply frustrated by Salah, no matter what he does. So, um, oh well, he's got a. I mean, he's got a nah, tighten well, his grip no, on he, reality. I, yeah, I I think he's right. I think you keep your powder dry. You don't say things prior to a game. Um, but then again, if I had my shoulder dislocated by that team's captain, yeah, in the previous final, I'd be pretty burning up inside, and maybe it'd spill over into social media. I mean, it, that it's personal for him. Let's be honest. Like, even though Sergio Ramos isn't there anymore, that was like that was the biggest night of Mo Salah's career up to that point, and it was ruined after 30 minutes by a tackle that I don't know. We'll never know the intent for sure, but it wasn't pretty, um, and it was can it you, was can, super unfortunate. Can you take a memo for me, Andrew? And the memo is: we need to talk about Sergio Ramos's documentary next week. Okay. Oh, you would. I. I I think you would cringe so hard Uh-oh. that you would swallow your own face. It is unwatchable. Oh. But also, you want to keep watching it so horrible. Where, where can I find this? What sort of VPN do I have to pull up or you whatever? You don't need any of that. You okay. need, all you need is good old Amazon Prime. Oh, just, nice. just type on top of Bezos's baldy head and you will get it. Okay. Last bit on the Sala. We have a score to settle. What did you say your friend's name is? Colm? Um, if if Liverpool go on to win, do do me a favor. Get a shirt made for your friend Column that just has the words "We have a score to settle on it," and, I, and he's got to wear that. I, I will I will get Salah's gurning, smiling yeah. face at its most smilingest on the front of the T-shirt, and on the back it will say "We have a score to settle." Um, it's interesting because these teams they're so good, and obviously you know Benzema and Salah will be the headliners of this, of course, but. 
like there's so much more to this matchup than those two. So I've been starting to dive into kind of like the X factors of what else could decide this aside from those key players. And JJ, it's really for me, it's kind of two names that just keep bouncing through my head. Tiago Fabinho. And I know that that there's been a lot of talk at the press conferences this week about their status. Um, It seems like both will play. Is that kind of the sense you're getting to? Yes, so the Fabinho, uh, there was a lot of confidence Fabinho will be ready. Uh, although what shape he'll be in, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, Klopp was very positive on Tuesday about uh, Tiago Alcantara. He's been very positive today about Tiago, saying he seems good. And, and those are crucial, absolutely crucial. You're so right. In under par Fabinho or an under par Tiago, completely changes that midfield hold on a sec there's some there's some roaring there's some news has come through it, oh is it have villa scored again at city <laughs> <laughs> they're very happy about something i think it may be just happy about seeing each other which is a which is a nice thing yeah but no to go back to the midfield the liverpool midfield yeah those are two key positions andrew absolutely key and if you think of either player being at half fitness or not starting it radically changes and alters the shape of that Liverpool midfield, the state of that Liverpool midfield. So you, you've nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. And um, yeah, isn't, it's... it's um, isn't it for, funny, for me, JJ, like with Thiago? Like we're only, what, like a year removed from when it was like, I don't think it's going to work. Absolutely. He's a, but, but do you not feel like it's been the last four to five months where he's found his mojo? Like it's as recent as that. And, you know... Watching him is such a special thing. You know, he throws a shoulder and sends a defender completely the wrong way. Yeah. He's such an unbelievable footballer. And he's really come into his own. And to see him grimace against Wolves, to see him struggle so much, after he was the reason that they unlocked that Wolves defense. Uh-huh. Let's not put too fine a point on it. Without that flick around the corner, Liverpool are still toiling at 1-0. That's how good he is. Um, And so it's a a huge frustration to not have him or to potentially have him in a reduced capacity. Fabinho as well, absolutely, absolutely key. Those are the two most important positions for Liverpool right now and the two biggest question marks. So with Thiago, uh, he's played nine Champions League games this season for Liverpool. They've won seven of those, scoring 19 goals in the process. Uh, He is probably, in terms of creation, like, He's the guy. He's second on the team in passing accuracy in the final third, 84.6%. And that's only only Curtis Jones is better, who only played in four matches in the Champions League. Uh, third on the team in pass completion percentage at over 90%. Only Virgil van Dijk and Joel Matip are above him in terms of passing accuracy. Liverpool's points per game, JJ, they drop from 2.6 when he plays to 2.2 when he does not. He has made himself a vital player. I won't go so far as to say indispensable because I still think Liverpool are, are phenomenal, even if he's not there, but he's vital when you're going up against a team like Real Madrid. Now, as for Fabinho, uh, 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 yeah. Andrew, Andrew, for one second, before you get to Fabinho, you are right. Liverpool still have good players on the bench. The drop off in terms of creativity and an unlocking skills, the ability to unlock a side yeah. is monumental between Thiago and the rest of the, uh, uh, of the squad. So tell me about this. So with Fabinho, the reason that to me, he's so important in this is almost, it's not even necessarily about him. It's about the matchup that will be going on near him. The Trent Alexander-Arnold-Vinicius side of the field is fascinating to me because um, Trent 
for Liverpool in the Champions League this year, I believe he had the second most touches in the attacking third. Only Mo Salah had more. So, like, he's going to want to play his game. He's not going to want to be thinking about Vinicius. He's going to want to be on the attack. I think it's going to be incumbent upon Fabinho to kind of fill that space in behind him and allow Trent to do the things he wants to do up the field. If you remember, we had Tony Evans on last season and he talked about what was going wrong at Liverpool and he felt that the midfielders weren't filling in for the fullbacks in the same way and those gaps in behind were being exploited. You've nailed it. It's such a big part of what happens with Liverpool is the, um, the discipline of the midfielders to fill in and cover those gaps. It's not just on the centre-backs. Liverpool have very mobile and skillful centre-backs for a reason. Yes, it is to cover, but it's also a massive, massive part of the midfielder's jobs to cover. So, yeah, you can't have really a half-fit mid- half fit midfielder in, in the system that Klopp uh, operates. Yeah, and Vinicius has been so good uh, for Real Madrid all throughout the season, but the Champions League specifically. Uh, most chances created with 31, most take-ons with 76. Um, I mean, he's he's a thrill a minute. Um, and that if I'm a Liverpool fan, he's probably, um, maybe even more than Benzema, Like that might be the guy that I'm most concerned with going into this. Um, last bit here before we get to Gab Marcotti, the idea of pressure, I always think about that in these, you know, in these finals in any sport, like who is, who is under the most pressure. It's interesting. I, I feel like both teams, you kind of touched on this earlier. There's an urgency to win that is, I, I think, shared equally with these two. Like, Obviously, there's always going to be an urgency to win when you get to a final. But when Liverpool got there, like that in 2018 versus Real Madrid, there was a certain like you could watch that. And even though Liverpool lost, I remember you talking about this when you left the stadium that night. That there was still like a, a good feeling, a hopefulness that this was only the beginning. This was just chapter one. Now, I'm not saying Liverpool are out of whatever great period they're in, but you know, the core, the Salamane, Firmino, they're all 30 or thereabouts. And, you know, Mane, they're all going to be potentially in, in able to leave on a free after next summer. Um, so, like, Liverpool still has, you know, reinforcements coming from behind with, you know, young players, Trent, Luis Diaz, Jota. But, like, that core, you know, this – you don't know how many more opportunities they're going to get wearing the Liverpool red. Yeah, I think you're right. And um, it's not so, so much that for me. It's more that Liverpool have – missed out on the Premier League, right? So they've got the two domestic cup competitions. The next best thing, or the biggest, probably the biggest, it is the biggest trophy in European football, is up for yes. grabs. And I think there's a little bit of pressure to complete that treble, even if it is not what the, I, I mean, Klopp did not go for a quad. He went to try and win in every competition, and this is what he's been left in. But I think in terms of our overall feeling about the season, there is pressure to win this Champions League final. For Real Madrid, there is pressure now to kind of look at the doubters and the people who are thinking that, well, this club can no longer lure the biggest players in the world to their shores. There's pressure to win now. And while some people will pour cold water on them winning La Liga, if they can win a Champions League, that, that keeps them, just keeps their nose above the water in terms of being that European powerhouse. So from those two perspectives, perspectives there's there's I think there's equal pressure on both sides I mean if Real Madrid exit this season being La Liga champs and European champs like how, how can it even really be argued anymore as well, to what I mean, as to current, where, where they're at yeah but you have to look at it in the overall context of European football a diminished Barcelona no real domestic threat and 
basically the, the, the flex from PSG and the flex from even Manchester City in acquiring uh, Erling Braut Haaland. Mm -hmm. Those two things really fly in the face of what Real Madrid are. Because Andrew, when Real Madrid aren't winning trophies, they're winning the transfer battle. That's been their traditional strong suit. And to have that taken away, you can't underestimate it. But, but for now, yeah, tomorrow, uh, winning a Champions League and being La Liga champions would be would be a very, very good flex for them themselves, even if it is just a short term. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead. Let's take a break. When we come back on the other side, you had the chance earlier to catch up with Gab Marcotti in Paris. We'll go back, take a listen to that interview. You're not going to want to miss it. Great stuff uh, coming up next. More caught offside from Paris still to come. Don't go anywhere. Delighted to be in Paris, France with Gab Marcotti, Gab and Jules podcast, writing for ESPN. You know where to get his stuff. We quote him regularly and often on the podcast. Gab, good to see you. Great to be here. Nice, nice to see you in person. Yes, finally, finally. Gab, um, I was talking to Neil Atkinson of the Anfield Rap earlier today, and he said there are some cities, some venues for a European Cup final that you don't mess around with. Paris is one of them. Where would you rank Paris on your list? Oh, I, I think, I mean, it's a phenomenal city. It's, I think in some ways it's the, they probably wouldn't appreciate it because they're Parisian, they like to think of themselves as different. But for me, this is, you know, maybe the European capital. Um, just because Berlin's a little too far east. Madrid's a bit, you know, Real Madrid at home. Yeah. But this, um, this is a this is a special place and um, it's a great stadium. Oh, thank you. Coffee. Merci bien. Coffee me. Merci. Uh, and some chocolate. Thank you so much. Um, so Gab, it's a cloudy day here in Paris and uh, in this perfect segue, is there a massive Kylian Mbappe shaped cloud hanging over Real Madrid? Or do you think that becomes a kind of a, a lateral problem considering the football is to be played tomorrow? I think it definitely hangs over the, uh, the club um, in terms of their, their summer plans, in terms of the fact that, you know, it doesn't happen often that they don't get their way. Doesn't happen often that somebody turns you down three times. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, suggest that I talk about denying somebody in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's going to mean something to you <laughs> based on your accent. Um, so, you know, I put all these things together, and yeah, I think it's a big blow to the club. Is it a blow to the Paris on the night? Uh, to, the, to the Paris. <laughs> it's in my mind. Is it a blow to the players? I don't think I don't think it affected them. It's going to affect them one bit. Um, this is a veteran group. They're single-minded. They're very professional. It's not like he would have been playing in this game anyway, right? Right. So I, I genuinely don't think it's going to to affect the players, their preparation, their narrative, and their ability to play this game in any way. What is it that Real Madrid have done? Because they are coming into a final against Liverpool and they're the team with the mythos around them. They're the team that have gone on the run. Liverpool's run has been fairly straightforward, apart from maybe one half of football in Spain in the semi-final. It's been clear cut. So what have, how have Real Madrid did this, done this, I suppose? Um, 
Okay, so I could give you a long, pretentious answer about Juanito and 90 minutes is an eternity at the Bernabeu and their belief and manifest destiny and their comebacks and all this stuff. And maybe that's all true. But I also think it's a lot simpler. I, I think you have the presumptive Ballon d'Or winner who's on fire, who's, who's just, you know, who's so far outperformed his expected goals in the Champions League. It's something funny. You have a shutdown goalkeeper, which I think is really important um, in a knockout competition, right? And you have a group of veteran players who are super coachable, unflappable, unfazed. You know, they don't get the yips. And a manager who's really good at, at knowing what buttons to push with this group of players, right? knowing that sometimes less is more, um, just putting them in the right frame of mind to go out there and, and to compete. And in a knockout competition, that makes a difference. Now, are, are, are Liverpool a better team? Probably. Uh, are, you know, same way Manchester City are. But you know, in a knockout competition, I don't think anybody can argue that I think Real Madrid are, are one of the top three teams in the world. And you look at who they beat to get here, they fully deserved it. And I think they know how to play this competition. They understand the, the dynamics of knockout football. Right. And they have these outstanding individuals. So, I mean, are you someone that believes in Mourinho's concept of football heritage, that there are some teams that carry this aura with them, this DNA that just is passed on from team to team, regardless of, of, of the state of mind of the club at that moment that they can come into a game and just because they wear that red shirt or that white shirt, that they can suddenly rise to the occasion? Well, if I did, then Manchester United wouldn't have been rubbish for the last 10 years, right? That's a good point. Um, I, I don't... Look, I mean, there's some people say, oh, the shirt weighs heavy when you play for... Look, I think if you play for a big club and a club that's been successful, you get certain expectations, right? I remember talking to Ancelotti and him telling me, man, the crowd at the Bernabeu, you can be 4 a lot, but if they don't like the way they're, you're playing, they'll boo you, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know contrast that with who was it with who came up with shit on a stick I can't remember that oh no it was about it was um, it was about Liverpool actually and it was about I think in um, I forget I would have assumed you would have known that Google it it was I think it was it was about Liverpool and about sort of I think it was somebody in Spain having a go at Rafa a bit rough as football oh okay and about how about, oh, but he so adored it Anfield and the crowd support him so much and Whoever was saying something like, yeah, but at Anfield, you can put a piece of shit on a stick. And they'll cheer, and for, they'll it. cheer for it. If right. it's, you know, if it's a Liverpool shit on a stick. But, um, no, I, I, I think it's just simpler. I just think it's smart veteran players who've been there, who've done that, I do simply are not rattled. I, I think it's a slightly, I don't necessarily think it's the aura because, I mean, let's face it. Liverpool are going to have an aura at this stage too, right? 100%. And Klopp is going to have an aura. Yeah. So I don't quite think it, all these top teams, if they're good, they have auras, right? right. So, so let's, get, let's get, maybe not tactical, but certainly let's look at what Ancelotti has done within games. Now I'm watching some of those games. Uh, PSG stands out, Chelsea stands out. Uh, I mean, Manchester City in particular. You see the substitutions that Ancelotti has made, particularly introducing Camavinga at the right time game-changing is 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 this the best example of of Ancelotti as 
as a coach where he's a bit able to make those in-game changes knows how the team is feeling at that moment and, and, and can react and knows what needs to be done um, so he's incredibly modest so if he were here he'd say like JJ I only have so many players who I trust you only play 11 at a time right you would have made the exact same substitutions maybe you would have right it's not you know necessary and he's he's so self-deprecating he would come out and say and he has said it this is not rocket science that if I start with Valverde to have an extra midfielder so that we don't get overrun in midfield and we're behind at some point I gotta put on Rodrigo right and it's not rocket science to know that if Tony Crows is running around you know he's a big German boy phenomenal footballer but it's the wrong side of 30 he's being pulled left right and center at some point let me put the fresh legs on right okay that's what he would say um but yeah you know with hindsight it's all very obvious you know but then you got to do it on the day on the pitch yeah and he's he just seemed to have got it right every time no you can say Manchester City there was nothing he got right against Manchester City except the magic that happened the last two minutes there's no way he intended for it to be that late so um, I suppose the next question for me is how is he going to plan or is he going to plan for Liverpool what will will he do anything different or will he just let this thing fly let's see what happens so this was the big debate that we had on with, with Stuart Robson. We tried to do a tactical breakdown on the Gavin Jules podcast. And I, and I think Rob was very good with this. Rob and Jules were 100% certain that Ancelotti's not going to throw a curveball. Um, and so we're going to get, on paper, Liverpool most of the possession. Leave Vinicius high up the pitch. Right. Behind Trent. So you have the continuous out ball. You know, it's not like Trent's going to play as a fullback. So then that is going to put pressure on whether it's Matip or Konate to go and help out. And then that creates, but you know, everything is a knock, right? That creates space. Yeah, even one of the midfielders is going to be occupied covering that hole as well. So that'll take him out of the game potentially. Now, but for me, the big question is how fit are Fabinho and Thiago? I think if it looked like they weren't fit or, or maybe if the game starts, they, they start and you can tell they're not fit then we might see more of a possession-oriented Real Madrid. Then he might feel comfortable uh, doing that. Uh, because I think it's the kind of football he would want to play. It's just that his players get tired. On the other hand, they've had three weeks off, right? That's true. So three weeks is almost like a mini preseason. You can top up the fitness of a cross and say, you know, let's turn back the clock for this. Yeah. Um, so I, in my mind, I'm still wondering if he's going to take that approach. If he doesn't, it's going to be what you saw, what you saw elsewhere, right? We're gonna we're gonna alternate between playing out from the back when we can, and and the quick out. Modric is going to make those runs. You know, Vinicius will be a terror. Benzema is going to move around, and you're going to have to break us down. And you know, I think I think obviously the flanks are going to be very very important. Um, well, that, that might cut into my next question. If there's one position on the field or one player that has to be at it, has to be 100% in the moment and on top of his game for Real Madrid, that's Vinicius, that's who? So it's funny because 
you're supposed to say Casemiro or Benzema or whatever. But I think one of the keys of the game is going to be what happens down the right-hand side with, with Trent and, right. and Salah up against Mendy. Um, one of the big calls you have to make is do you let... Because you're not going to get help or it's going to be difficult. You're not going to get help from Vinicius if you leave him up there. Right. You're not going to get help or you'll get limited help from Luka Modric simply because you know, there's only, and Tony Kroos, there's only so much that they can do at this stage to help out on Trent and Salah. So the question is, do you put Mendy on Trent, which is not a bad matchup physically, I mean, athletically? And then you trust Alaba, who's coming back from injury, on Salah, who himself is not fully fit. Um, I think that's going to be, I don't know if that quite say, like, that answers your question, but a, on paper, you know, assuming he lines up, I don't know what you think, but if it is Diaz, um, Mane, and Salah across the front, I think that's going to be one of the big calls, you know, is going to be Alaba being pulled out, that Alaba-Mendy partnership, because you, you have to defend that situation differently if you're going to leave Venetius out, right. right? And that's going to have a knock-on effect. So I, I think that on paper is one of the keys to the game. If you were to hazard a guess at a scoreline, what would you say? I don't know. I hate doing predictions. I know, I know. I'm, it's I'm really bad at it. Um, I, I generally don't know. I have a general sense that this game's not going to extra time. Really? Yeah. Um, but I think it's going to be one in the 90 minutes. Okay. Um, and I think, I mean, I, I know players get injured. It's the nature of the sport. I just wish, and I know obviously Liverpool played a ton of games this season. Sure. Because they got to the end of every competition. I just wish we could see these teams at 100%. You know, and that, I think it's going to be a great spectacle. Right. But to me, that would be an even bigger spectacle if I knew that Alaba, the Thiago, and Fabinho weren't just going to be there, and Salah weren't just going to be there, but they would be 100%. Van Dijk, too. I mean, obviously, some of the Real Madrid boys as well. You know, I'm not just... No, but no, obviously, Liverpool's had that run. You know, like, I would love for this to be a situation where we could see, you know, people out there at their best going at it. I know some people don't, don't view it that way, and, you know, they... Fifth Brother Players Union, they issued another report about players, you know, top players being overworked and whatever, um, and how it hurts the spectacle. I know a lot of fans, especially in England, I think they don't really care. Not so much. But when you think back to the Southampton game, right? You look at the lineup he puts out. A Carabao Cup lineup. Yeah. And I'm thinking, right, something's wrong. I'm not blaming him. No. I wrote you doing the exact. The right thing. He's won a trophy at the weekend, 120 minutes, and he's got to look ahead. But you're one point behind City. He has, and he has really has no choice but to do something like that. What message does it send about the Premier League? And Premier League are very good at the hype, and we had an exciting last day, yeah. whatever. But again, I think a lot of it is well, we're watching Kevin De Bruyne these these last two months. Like the guy's superhuman. I, I don't. I, I don't know what he's going to be like in four, you know, in ten years' time. What physically, how he is, but like, you we want to see our best players at their best, and not for 
you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. Well, I think something has to give, and maybe that's a topic for another day. I, yeah, no, no. I, 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 but I do agree with you. I think either some competition's got to be cut, uh, but I think we're reaching a lot of players who are going to hit the buffers very soon in their career. This interview has hit the buffers. Right. <laughs> Gab Marcotti, thank Take you. Take care. Thank you. Back now on Caught Offside from Paris by the banks of the Seine. Mm. I got off a flight this morning, Andrew, from Charles de Gaulle, and my mind was on how can I get the best possible Liverpool angle for the upcoming game. And I went to a beautiful part of Paris. Nice. Quai de la Lore to meet with Neil Atkinson of the Anfield Rap to discuss basically what is Liverpool against Real Madrid once again in Paris and to get his thoughts on the game, to get his thoughts on how the supporters are feeling and everything else. Uh, it was a great chat and a great way to start the morning. Delighted to be joined. Kel surprise. <laughs> Neil Atkinson of the Anfield Rap. It's an absolute pleasure to meet you in Paris, sir. It's an absolute pleasure to be in Paris, isn't it, for the two of us? I mean, what a weekend we've got in store. The city, this is the sort of city, and I think there's only four in my head where European Cups should happen. Finals, you know what I mean? I hate it when they share it around a little bit. I'm like, no, 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 let's not mess about here. Let's have all the classics, all the greats. Paris, wow. Yeah, where's the other ones then? I think that definitely, I'm banging to the, I think you've got to accept Madrid. You know, whilst there are opponents, you've got to accept Madrid. It's an it's a unbelievably European city. I think Berlin. Uh, in there as well. I can make an argument for London, but there is a channel to cross, uh, and there's been some votes that have been made recently. So the other one you've got there is, I think, Rome. Rome. Let's just not mess about. Let's just put it in the four biggies. While we're on it, the general perception of this final for the travelling Liverpool fan has been a little bit frustrated. There's going to be a lot of Reds here yeah, with no tickets and probably no hope of a ticket. I think that is... This is all an allocation question. Listen, you can break this down as far as I'm concerned. There's obviously there's the idea of who gets the tickets in terms of the two clubs, uh, and that at the minute is about 50% of the stadium. Then there's the corporate stuff and the UEFA-ish stuff, but there's also a UEFA ballot. So there's a ballot that UEFA go, which anyone can apply to, which is fine. You know, that, that them's the rules. But that's like about 12,000 tickets. So that's the first bit. Before we get annoyed with corporates, which we can be as well, and we can get to that bit, I don't quite understand this neutral ballot. Let's not have a neutral ballot. We want supporters of the teams in there. So if we could get rid of that, and then I think the corporate question is something that you wait for. Listen, 12 months ago, everyone was saying, it's football without fans is nothing. Well, we're 12 months on now, and I think that you can make a really clear case that what you want is fans in grounds. They, they, they frame the action, they frame the atmosphere, they, they create what these, these showpiece occasions are. So that's actually in the interest, I'd say, of corporate partners. What Wouldn't you rather have a final that you're sponsoring where it's absolutely rocking and rolling? And yet instead, that's where a lot of the tickets are going. So you could easily free up, let's say, 25,000 more tickets to split between the two sides. And, yep, there's going to be a lot of Liverpool supporters who are in Paris who won't be able to get to the game. Before we get to the game, just for you in terms of the success of the Anfield rap, you emailed me the other day and you sounded like a showbiz lovey because you were like... <laughs> Well, I'm going to be on stage on Saturday, you know, darling. Um, I was just curious, you know, how much is, has the enjoyment maybe, because you've got things to do, because you've got commitments, yeah. you, you just can't go off to the bar. I saw you over there being interviewed by the BBC earlier. You can't just slip out, go to the bar, enjoy yourself in the same way that you used to. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, the BBC are filming at a brewery. So uh, <laughs> let's be crystal clear on the, on the detail of this. You can't do some of that, but you can do a lot of other stuff. So, for instance... 
you know, one of my things is, well, let's get people to, to where we are. So we were in a we were in a bar last night and uh, Sky were just up the road and we did something with Sky. So we literally left the cocktail bar, went to do Sky, came back, did another bit of media in the bar itself. Right. You've just got to say to people, you know, come. what we try to do is share the experience of all of this. So when we do all the little bits of media work, then we want them to come and do it our way and not do it, you know, not do it in a sort of a sterile studio environment. Come and do it our way, come and enjoy it and, and relax into it first and foremost. So we can still do all of that, but obviously you're fortunate to be able to do this as well. It's worth bearing that in mind. We get to talk about Liverpool. So it's not, you know, it's not like I've got a great big weight on me back. And the final thing about this is that, you know, on the fan park, it's great to do it, but we are on first. <laughs> to be crystal oh. clear, uh, we are opening. Uh, we are not headlining that bill at all, but it's great to be part of it. It's good to work with. What Liverpool, Liverpool Football Club, Liverpool the City, has got right, I think, is there's a real embrace around what supporters can add to the matchday experience on a club level. Right. And to be really clear about this, uh, and this is hugely to Liverpool's credit, before we go on, uh, no one will tell me what I can and can't say. No one from the club's going to come up and say, oh, what, what are you going to talk about? Not, and that's helpful because I don't know yet. Uh, <laughs> there is, you know, there isn't a desire there to control this, what they're actually allowing to have happen with Liverpool's, sort of, under the umbrella, really, in a sense, is you go and put the best party on you can for these people because you know these people, you are these people, so you'll do the best job. Right. And the club's absolutely nailed that. I think Klopp's a massive part of that, but he's not unique in it. There's a real trust between the football club and the supporters, and that means that we can make it as good as it possibly can be for everyone uh, time and time again, and that's, that's great to be part and of. And we're never going to see John Henry sat beside a potted plant apologising for something you've said. I'd like to think not. Uh, he has to apologise for his own comments, uh, John. That's the, that's the pressure that's on him. I'm the least of his worries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, and all of that stuff is coming back from that, which the club has had to do. It's actually strengthened, I think, in lots of ways, the relationship there between the club in Liverpool and to an extent the club in London, because the club does have a London office, and the supporter base on the ground. So now, for instance, Liverpool have got a shadow board uh, of made up of supporters off the back of that controversy around... The, uh, the the Super League plans and in a really weird way everyone made the best of it there weren't enormous kickoffs in Liverpool everyone just went you know well you're wrong right. don't do this it helped that the managers does it helped that the players the players do it as well but the supporters did it but it became alright well how do we ensure this doesn't happen again and how do we do all this better the shadow board structure that's now in place with the certain sort of caveats and what they can, can and can't do without the permission of that board worked really well for the club and it, it will continue to work well for the club and when I say for the club I don't just mean for the supporters but I think it's actually good for the club itself because now if you know on the off chance John Henry does want to do something mad uh, Liverpool CEO can say well we can't get it past these people John so you're going to have to turn it in yeah. uh, and that that helps massively I think and I think that the more there is that one club vibe and that is you know Klopp is a massive part of this but to be fair I think that Billy Hogan is as well and a couple of other people senior at Liverpool they understand that what supporters want is what's best for Liverpool Football Club and what's best for Liverpool Football Club is what's best for their investments. What Liverpool supporters really want this weekend is a win and I just wanted to put to you that we are going into a European Cup final, the first one in recent times where Liverpool are not the team of destiny. They yep. haven't had their circuitous route, there was no Barcelona, yep. second half in Spain obviously, but generally speaking Real Madrid they're the ones that have taken on this moniker. Yep. Is that concerning? Nope. We're the serious ones. They're the, they're, the, they're the team that needs to be touched by magic to win. 
Uh, and they might be touched by Magic on Saturday night, don't get me wrong, or they're more than capable of it, but we're the serious ones, we're the grown-ups. Um, when they beat us in 2018, right. they, they were the grown-ups, and we were the ones who were touched by Magic. There is... There isn't always the idea in football that the house always wins, but the house wins more often than not. And this has got to be Liverpool's attitude going into the game on Saturday. It's my attitude going into the game on Saturday. If the game becomes mad, if the game becomes one where it needs a moment of magic or moments of magic, then there is every chance that we don't win the game. But if the game follows football logic, then we're far more likely to win the game, in my view. And that, to me, is... I'd rather be in that position, in all honesty. I've had... Listen, I've watched Liverpool be touched by magic, but you, you mentioned the route to the final, and that's a really valid point. In 2019, the route to the final was unbelievable from a Liverpool point of view, but then we turned up in Madrid to face Tottenham, and football logic came to came to bed. We were much better than Tottenham, and we won the game. Tottenham themselves had their own magic. They had a last-minute winner in Amsterdam sure. to get themselves there. But when it came to the crunch, on the big occasion sense prevails you think about the Bayern Munich win over Paris Saint-Germain 1-0 Kingsley Coman back post header sense prevails sense tends to prevail in finals more often than it doesn't when we go in 2007 when we get beat by AC Milan sense prevails 2005 was the magic one right and you've just got to you know you we need to remember that it isn't always about uh, magic you know it's not always about drama you can just turn up and win a football match and it would be lovely on Saturday night if Liverpool just turned up and won a football match. Turning up to win a football match will have a lot to do with injuries yeah. and your concerns. I mean, we're hearing Thiago could be good to go. I'd be really surprised if he isn't. Yeah. The reason why is because Liverpool's recovery plans all the way through the season. Liverpool have, have had a really good season on injuries, unlike last year. They made a couple of changes in the backroom staff around this. And Liverpool's recovery work, the way they've used players, has all been really structured and really planned. And it's had all this information uh, be sort of put through it. And the players themselves, I think, have had a greater awareness of we don't want to take a chance with our own fitness because it's a long season and we don't want to have what happened last season happen again. So the players are really mature as well in amongst all of that. And there was an excellent Sight Hughes piece in The Athletic about this. So... All of this sort of adds up to something, but I'll be dead honest with you, it's a Champions League final, it's the last game of the season, they don't play again till August, how many more Champions League finals, for instance, might Thiago Alcantara have the opportunity to play in? Not that he, many. He'll get himself on that pitch, you know, if it's touch and go, it will be go uh, for this, I think, because if you're the footballer, you just say, listen, I'll get on there. What do we need to do to get me on there? So I think that everyone will be available. The question then becomes how long can he go and how effective he can be? I think he's got a bit of a selection headache because I think he, in different ways, all four of Henderson, Keita, Thiago and Fabinho bring a lot to this team. And I think he'll have the idea of, all right, what do I want? Throw Milner in there as well. He's got five footballers there. He's got five subs. He's got five footballers there. He'll want any three of that five on the pitch at any point in that game. So I think it's about him managing when they're going to be involved. When they're gonna, when I'm subbing them on, when I'm subbing them off, what blend have I got on? When I think that's going to be the aim for Liverpool. But I think you will see all five of those players I've just named throw a Milner in as well with his 36-year-old legs. I think all five of them will feature. Don't allow me to answer this question yeah. for you, but because it's a final, it's one game. The general feeling that there's been a bit of a heavy-legged last month for Liverpool or so that doesn't matter. It doesn't bother you. Well, for the first time, they've got a week off. You say it's heavy-legged. They've actually been playing and preparing for a game every three days yeah. through that period. So, I'm, no, I, th I think the, the, the preparation time, I think, is almost perfect. You know, they've gone from the intensity of two games a week to suddenly just pull them back down to one. If they'd have had one more week, I'd almost have been a little bit worried about the converse happening, that they get a little 
they get a little loose. You know, they've been they've been playing the intense matches. Listen, Madrid will have had a full preparation plan uh, in terms of what they're doing on the pitch when they've been playing the games after they've won the league and what they'll have been doing in training scenarios. So Madrid will Madrid will make it work their way. Uh, and you know, they're a, they're a very 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 good side. They're the champions of Spain for a reason. So we've got to bear all of this in mind. But I think Liverpool will be ready for it. I don't think many. I think 120 is is tough. It's tough full stop. But Liverpool have got five subs and then one more in extra time. As Real Madrid have, and when you mentioned before about Madrid's magic, I think one of the reasons that's work, things that's worked for them is the players who come off the bench have had a real impact uh, on games. But I still think that the most they're going to do is come off the bench. I think he will go with Casemiro, Cruz, and Modric. So I think that off the back of that, we therefore know Camavinga will be introduced, Asensio will be introduced. I think Valverde will start on the right, so Rodrigo will be introduced. So we're going to have to be able to withstand this injection of young energy on about the 70th minute mark. They're fascinating to me, Madrid. They're a team in transition and they've got to a Champions League final and they've won the league by a, at a canter. But simultaneously, there's a lot of footballers there who are in their 30s, genuinely in their 30s, not messing around with 30 or 31, genuinely in their 30s on the one hand, and they've got a load of really exciting under-23s on the other. What we've got to hope, again, football and logic, is peak years at 24 to 31. We've got a ton of them, uh, and we've got to hope they come to the party and they make the difference. And a prediction, I have to ask. So if, I think it's, I think that there's a couple of games it might follow the pattern of. Um, I think it might go like the champion, sorry, the FA Cup semi-final against Manchester City. Okay. Where I think there's a chance Liverpool run all over Madrid for the first 30, 40 minutes of that game, as Liverpool did do to Manchester City that day. If that happens and Liverpool take the chances, then I can see it being a similar scoreline. Liverpool 3-0 up at half-time and Madrid's trying to conjure the magic, but Liverpool effectively seeing it out 3-1 or 3-2. That's one way it can go. The other way it can go is that it could be there's a... Madrid, when they play Paris Saint-Germain this season, uh, for the first three halves of that match, they sit really deep, they play really cagey football and they want to turn it into just a mad 30 minutes or so. Right. And they succeed in that. And I think they might try to do that in this final. They might may, may kick off off the basis of the fact that we're fine with 0-0 on 60. We want to be, have it be defined by one or two moments of magic because we back the magic and we back the boys. So Liverpool have got to be prepared for that. They've got to have that in the backs of their minds. I think we'll win the game. And I think we'll win the game 3-1. Neil Atkinson, the Anfield Wrap, essential listening and watching for uh, for All Reds. Thanks for your time. Oh, thank you. Neil Atkinson, there you go. Great stuff, man. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to do an intro with Neil that would annoy you. So that's why I said Kel Sabriz. And the fact that he laughed was just perfect. Oh, you got a lot of fans there. It's beautiful. Uh, let's see. We're winding it down now, JJ. Before we get to our predictions, which we are contractually obligated to do, um, I just something that I was thinking about that I wanted to ask you about. Like I feel like we don't talk very much about rivalries between clubs from different countries. Does this qualify as one? This is the third time Liverpool and Real Madrid are going to meet in a European Cup. You know their histories. Uh, like, do, is there? Do Liverpool? Will you look at Real Madrid as any kind of rival? Yeah, well, it's the most amount of team has played each other in a European Cup final three times. Mm-hmm. So it's by. I suppose by default, in a way, it's a rivalry. I I wouldn't have thought of it as a rivalry up until what happened in 2018. That's being totally honest with you. But I think after what happened in 2018, I definitely felt that this is this is a little more cemented. As uh, there's a little bit of bitterness, there's a little bit of a needle in it. And what happened to Salah did not did not rest easy with people. And even some uh, fans kind of uh, they grabbed onto the fact that Carius was 
propelled into the goalpost. I'm not sure who it was by, but I think it might have been Sergio Ramos too. Now, Carius claims that the mistakes he, he subsequently made were down to a concussion. Mm-hmm. So you, you add all that into the mix and there was a sense that, yeah, we've been wronged and this is a rivalry. But, but I have to say something. There was not enough Real Madrid fans in Kiev for there to be anything like approaching a kind of a banter after the game or a banter beforehand. There were so few Real Madrid fans in Kiev that you never got that kind of tension or now I'm not talking about violence. I don't mean anything like that, but that kind of back and forth. And from what I can see right now, that will be exactly the same in Paris tomorrow. Um, Hmm. The Reds outside the ground and inside the ground, I would expect to outnumber Real Madrid. Um, Depends on many corporate Real Madrid fans uh, turn up, I guess. But yeah, in, in short, to answer your question, it's, it, it calcified into something of a rivalry after 2018. Um, there's a bitterness there for sure. Interesting. All right, here we go. It's prediction time. Uh, setting the table, 538, JJ, they have this as Liverpool being the favorite, 65% to 35%, which is a little more than I might have thought. Well, myself and Nasser, the Uber driver, totally disagree. It's 50-50, yeah. um, Some of their like their metrics, they give Liverpool a slightly better offensive rating, 2.9 to 2.8, at a better defensive rating of 0.3 to 0.6. Lower is better, obviously. Um, it is worth noting Real Madrid were also SPI underdogs in each of their knockout stage mat, uh, rounds. So they're used to this. They're comfortable it appears as the role, the unfamiliar role of underdog. Uh, I'll go first. You, I'll save you for last in terms of what I'm thinking. I do not have a great feel for this, partially because of the Liverpool injury situation coming in. Like I think back to like the Diego Costa situation for Atletico Madrid, where he could only give him ten minutes or so. I think about uh, Harry Kane in the Tottenham Liverpool match and. and whether or not he would play, he did, and he was really a total non-factor. So it's hard. Like it, the reason this stuff is so silly is because, like, the last time Liverpool and Real Madrid met, you can sit here and make predictions, and Mo Salah goes off thirty minutes into the game. It's like, well, what, what was all this for? Um, honestly, I te- the team of destiny stuff. You know, I'm con- I'm not really about that. Um, I simply believe Liverpool are better. It's close, but I just think Liverpool are are a better more complete team. Uh, I'm going to go with them. I think it'll be a tight one. 2-1 is what I'm thinking. Uh, it's it's not super confident. I'm not taking money to uh, to a bookie for this one, but that's just kind of where I'm at right now. Well, if you wanted to take money to a bookie, boy, am I in the right spot. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable what I'm watching here. Like uh, th- These guys, it's the horse racing. If you hear a lot of cheers... It might be old Frenchmen getting excited about a filly in some race that I've never heard of before. Or it might be Liverpool fans. It's it's split like that. Andrew, I agree with you. I think it's going to be tight. I believe it's going to be 2-1 Liverpool. I do believe Liverpool are the better team. Um, but, but they must not allow this game to get crazy. They must not allow this game to get stretched. What they need is one of those strangling performances that they've been able to muster since... After the early heady days, remember the first season of Jurgen Klopp where it was just unbelievable football. Liverpool might score five, but they might concede three. After that, Liverpool were much better game managers and they need to manage this game. I think if Liverpool get ahead early, I think maintain that lead, I think Liverpool will win. And I, I believe with you, I think it'll, uh, I believe 
what you're saying is correct. I'm with you on this. I believe it'll be 2-1. Oh, if it is, what an experience you're in for. I mean, I can I can feel now that I really took it. I mean, you and I have watched games before, but after this past weekend, I feel like I've now really finally watched like a tense Liverpool encounter. Like we when we watched the 19 Champions League together, there was not much tension to that. Like it was just a bad game. Liverpool scored early on a penalty. It was just it kind of just was a game that happened almost. But you over the weekend, I've now seen what JJ what you're capable of in moments of high tension and drama. Um, so I'll be, I, I will, I will be trying to harness your energy all the way here in the United States and, and I'll be pulling for you. I, I want this for you. You've made it all the way there. Um, <laughs> my, my last, my last question for you is, okay, so the ticket situation, what is, what is the cutoff point? Cause my guess is you're going to be around the stadium trying to find some, right? But like at a certain point, if you can't get any, you want to be somewhere good to watch the game. And then I don't know what's around the stadium. So, like, what's your plan? Well, so as I'm discovering that Paris is a vast city, oh. all right, uh, I had a bit of a New York snobby view. It can't be as broad as New York. It can't be as difficult to get different places. I have mastered the metro uh, this afternoon, but I will say Saint-Denis and Aubervilliers. I'm staying in Aubervilliers, which is close to Saint-Denis. They are not anywhere close to bars you'd want to watch a game in oh, no. if you can't get into the ground. So we've got a problem here that's going to develop tomorrow. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know how to answer that one, Andrew. Hopefully tonight uh, with some of the uh, chats I have with Scousers and people in the know that I'll be able to figure something out in terms of a ticket. Um, I have in my right pocket a ball of money. That's what I would describe <laughs> it. Wow. Careful. Which, yeah, I know. Well, I'm saying it to everyone that can't mug me. Okay, I, if I, I if I were to whip this out in the bar, I'd be worried it would end up on a horse that's running in the two thirty in Compania. So I don't I don't want that to happen. But no, seriously, um, you make a good point. I think the morning is going to bring more clarity as to my situation. But I have to say I'm enjoying it so much. There's been such a great buzz. There's been such an amazing sense of um, occasion here. Yeah. And, and Paris is so beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous from the people, um, their friendliness, and to the, the streets itself. It's, it's a really, really nice city. I get it. I just wish there was less tourists in it. <laughs> <laughs> less people like me. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I, I don't know, Andrew. The ticket situation is fraught. It's dangerous. We're basically hoping for a dramatic drop and that we're able to get online, grab what we can, and that what we can grab is legit. It's sent to our emails in a functioning manner. Mm. That means we can get through the turnstiles at the uh, Stade de France in Saint-Denis. But um, it's, it's all up in the air. And I, I would say, again, I would reiterate, most Liverpool fans do not have tickets. I will not be alone in this experience. Right. And I'd say most Liverpool fans that don't have tickets, if I said to them, I can guarantee you we win this, you're not going to get into the ground for it, but you'll be around for the party afterwards. I think they'd take it. Oh, yeah. I for the win? Take it. Yeah, you got, for yeah. the win, you got to take that. It's your version of you'll finish top four West Ham at the, if I tell you that at the start of the season. The, the, uh, the proper football man bite your arm off scenario is happening here uh, if I was to put that to Liverpool fans. But again, we don't know. I met a very, very confident Liverpool fan crossing a bridge today, uh, crossing the Seine, and um, 
he, he was shouting out loud with his friends. He'd had a few beers. He said, we'll definitely get a ticket. Prices are dropping. Don't you worry. We'll have a ticket tomorrow. And I turned around and I said, do you think so? And he goes, listen, mate. And he threw his sweaty arm around me. Oh, it was lovely. Uh, the sweaty embrace and said, you'll definitely get a ticket. And once I extricated myself from the sweaty embrace, I felt better oh. about things. Um, there's a sense of community, a sense of carnival here, Andrew. And if you can't tap into that, then... Um, then maybe he shouldn't be here at all. Yeah, he sounds like a credible source, like almost a Walter Cronkite kind of sauntering across the bridge. Yeah, he pulled his glasses off. Yeah, and uh, and and told me in a very somber tone that I would definitely get a ticket. Can I circle back to one thing before we go? Yep. The reaction to people who listen to the Zoom has been incredible. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad everyone enjoyed it. If you haven't listened to it, by all means, go back to the podcast and fast forward through it. It's time stamped and listen to it. Listen to all the podcasts, but definitely listen to that last bit. Um, the idea that this is a better JJ, an unfiltered JJ, and the reason that we can't do this week on week needs to be explained to a lot of listeners. <laughs> we wouldn't last 15 minutes if JJ was unfiltered JJ all the time. It just no. wouldn't happen. Mickey Mouse would have a heart attack. Yeah, I pretty much saved your job with the editing. You're a master editor. Um, and I, I thank you for it. And um, no doubt you'll be editing and modulating the sounds on this uh, broadcast too. Oh, I can't wait. Well, hey, JJ, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if you're going to find your way in there or not, but all I want you to do is have fun. Whatever it is that you wind up in, the stadium, a bar, a town square, whatever, embrace it, enjoy it. This is going to be pretty fun. I can't wait for the game. I mean, as a neutral, this is just like a, a phenomenal matchup. Should be great, man. Have a blast. Stay safe. Keep us posted you, with all of your Peter Crouch encounters. <laughs> JJ, to you, I say. Take it later, fun boy. See ya. Allez, rouge. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 